Stephanie Lynn Williams, a.k.a. Surreal Sister. Transdimensional Twin Sisters. Exactly a year before my birthday, give or take, my sister Whitney's brain boiled with fever. And in her first trimester of transformation, as preparation for meeting her maker, she regressed back to the fetal position and waited patiently. Like a lost angel in an invisible waiting womb, anticipating reinsertion in the next dimension. During the trimester that followed, as preparation for meeting my makers, I transformed from a family of cells to an embryo in stasis to the fetal position and existed obliviously. Throughout this stage of transition, we were trans-dimensional twin sisters. She imprisoned in her own skin, and I cocooned in amniotic fluid a symbiotic subsistence where I thrived on the silenced cries of her tortured terminal life sentence for sustenance. The last trimester was the beginning of the end when, at just 17 months old, Whitney let go. She was breaking in her delicate paper-thin wings while I suckled on the minerals cloned from bone marrow moans, the vitamins inside vandalized entitlement, and all the other identity-separating supplements within two interstate family funerals, our daily breadwinner's job loss, and an unfamiliar change of address. My stages of development stuck between various layers of death. Defeated cries were my mother's lullabies. My sister's name was only spoken with marked tones of sympathy, forming in me subconscious memories made solely from emotions so strong they could have hitchhiked off of smoke ribbons, escaping the first grenade bomb a teenage Vietnam War soldier ever threw. I was lucky enough to have my fetal eyelids still few shut and brain too new to retain first-hand war stories, just cycles of melancholy euphoria pulse through my veins and flashbacks that only Prozac junkies understand. Hands desperately clutching keys to new life so tight their dark knuckles turn white, salivating like gratuitous snitches who anticipate the Whitney Witness Protection Program. My family ruined me to be a war veteran, wounded with a quest for eternal ecstasy, and Whitney was the martyr awarded the Medal of Honor. Her heart will forever bleed purple. When I was born, the moon was full as mother's breasts, as old baggage in a brand new home. Hope broke the fever, broke the cycles that ended with cut cords and hair like us sisters and split ends, landing on firm floor, growing since the year before. The Blasian Sensation is back! I'm Jalian Yang, Ja for short. I'll explain <laughs> later. Last season, I was going by Karen. It's still me. People change their names. It happens. 
I'm Treasure Shields Redmond, same name, same mission, to hold space for the voices that mainstream media ignores. Who Raised You podcast is back, baby! And better than ever. We're the 2018-2019 startup competition winners for the Arts and Education Council of St. Louis. They gave us $10,000 and office space to transform the Who Raised You podcast into the Who Raised You listening collective. This year, we're creating a digital audio archive to combat our region's historical amnesia. We're bringing together artists, poets, and changemakers of all kinds to record stories of ordinary wisdom. Stories by citizen sound agents. Coming to a city near you. Stay tuned at whoraisedyoupodcast.com. In the meantime, enjoy season two of Who Raised You Podcast, a traveling conversation between Jalian Yang and Treasure Shields Redmond as we explore how culture, family, and intersecting identities pave our way toward liberation. We want to know, who raised you? Dig deep. We're finding our roots Today, Who Raised You podcast goes to Oakland, Treasure's old stomping grounds. We visit Marvin K. White, a Facebook statistician, workshop facilitator, and poet who has books published by Redbone Press. Hennessy in hand, we went to Black queer theologian Marvin K. White's house to discuss the theological implications of the slay mother herself, Beyonce. <laughs> Marvin, we are so glad to have you today on the Who Raised You podcast. And to be in Oakland, can you imagine that we're actually here? Welcome home. Welcome. (laughs) I'm so glad you're in my home. My grandmother's uncle's home, which then was my grandmother's, then it was my mom's, and now it's mine. And now you're here. Mm. Is this called an ancestral home? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. On record at the tax collector's office. It's listed as ancestral home. Wow. No, it's not. <laughs> That's <laughs> I just have this voice. Right. When I, oh my when I lie. <laughs> yes. Well, I actually, you know what? From now on, I'm just gonna call it ancestral home in my mind. I like that. Um, Marvin is someone who is not from St. Louis, you may be able to tell. And the Who Raised You podcast usually focuses on artists, activists, uh, organizers who are from St. Louis, the surrounding metro, because we kind of want to tell the stories of flyover country. Yeah, yeah. But there is mm-hmm. a St. Louis connection. Mm-hmm. So recently, you and I had a conversation on the corner of Arsenal and King's Highway. No, hmm. Arsenal and Grand. Hmm. When you were in St. Louis, yes. why were you there? I was there as a part of an immersion course for the school I was attending, Pacific School of Religion, and we did a an immersion course to... Um, called the Black Lives Matter the immersion call, course. The Black Lives Very Matter. straightforward yes, in yes. terms of subject matter. Yes, mm-hmm. and we were there to, to be co-students with students at Eden and also participate in a Moral Monday protest um, and understand what was happening on the ground in Ferguson, um, both as a political... Um, event, but also as a prophetic event, what was going on in the spirit. And and also for me as a poet, um, 
what was going on in, in the language and how it was being framed and what does it mean to get to the scene of a crime before the news gets there so we can actually control the story. Mm-hmm. So we can tell what happened spiritually, what happened poetically, what happened you know, politically, um, mm-hmm. and what does it mean to get there. And so we learned a lot about, um, about narrative, about spirit, about community organizing, about trauma, about joy, mm-hmm. um, and how to think about this, you know, um, as a prophetic and as a spiritual event. So mm-hmm. I was there um, for that. Beautiful. Yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and how that mm-hmm. influenced what you were seeing? Yeah. Um, so I grew up here in Oakland, in North Oakland, Bushrod, Northside Oakland, North Pole. <laughs> I don't know what these, I wish you could see these gestures I was right. making. They're, they're kind of vague. These, well, hands. You know? <laughs> these, these hands are being well, thrown up. Right. <laughs> And, we'll take pictures. <laughs> yes. All Oakland public schools, um, Peralta year-round school, which was one of the first year-round schools in the country, um, Claremont Middle School, and then Skyline High School. And I give that story because my siblings all went to Oakland Tech. Mm. And I couldn't go to Tech. I couldn't go to Tech because I wasn't an athlete. And my, my family is legacy oh. athletics. So I would walk in, and they would hand me a ball, and I would go. Well, <laughs> no, that, was a, that, that was a wordless what? gesture. Yeah. Right. It was just like, <laughs> what? What am I supposed to do with this? And that that happened continually. And when it was time for high school, I was like, I can't do this for you know this kind of expectancy that I'm supposed to perform mm. athletically. Um, and so I went to Skyline. So yeah. because you are in what birth order? So there are five of us. It's two boys, a girl, and then I'm the fourth, and then I have a younger sibling. Oh, yeah. so you go, yeah. you guys are the babies. Yes, yes. And how far apart are you from the youngest? Um, we're all two years apart. Two years apart. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and the only other the the other interesting part of our family is my mom wanted twelve kids. Okay. And my dad figured that out after five and left. You know. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh my gosh! Well, that's the way I tell the story. He's like, I'm good for roughly half of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think she told him that plan. You know, and I really think that he was like, Yeah, no, I, I, I see it, I get it, I'm gone, deuces. Or there's five of us, so quad deuces. Right. <laughs> You know, so cinco deuces. yes, cinco deuces. Uh. <laughs> yes. So, um, and we were raised faux Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, oh, yeah. So, okay. um, and so my parents, I think, were Jehovah's Witnesses during the times where they didn't have money and couldn't buy us presents. So we were Jehovah's Witnesses on some Christmases. Oh, because and, they don't celebrate right, Christmas. Right. Oh. Right. <laughs> And then they weren't Jehovah's Witnesses when they were having poker parties from Friday to Sunday night mm-hmm. to raise rent. So there's this thing <laughs> called raising rent with a deck of cards is what my grandmother used to do. She would host these these card parties from Friday to Sunday and mm-hmm. take a cut of the kitty of everything and raise money for whatever she needed. Um, and usually it was like for, for rent or something that was needed for the family. Mm-hmm. So we weren't Jehovah's Witnesses then, you know, um, when we were teenagers we were more jehovah's witnesses because my mom was then a single black woman and needed a father figure that was 
omnipresent and always looking and always watching. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we we were at the Kingdom Hall Sunday, Thursdays, and then book study and Bible study on Wednesdays for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the end of the world had been predicted at least once mm-hmm. in our lifetime. <laughs> uh, yes. And then we were just so over it because, like, you say goodbye, like, at the end of the school year. <laughs> And, and we're like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> Bye, for real. Like, the world is ending. Then oh. you show up in eighth grade, you still ashy, you still poor. Oh. You know, and you're like, like, it's one thing to say, like, I'm going to get a car this summer, and nobody believes you. You know, mm. you show up the next year, and you're still on foot. But when you like, the world is ending, <laughs> and you show up, <laughs> you lose oh. all credibility. Oh. Yeah. I'm just crying at the ashy part. Like that's aww. but somehow the somehow the religion doesn't lose credibility. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and I and so but that's I think that was the beginning of me um so none of my siblings like returned to any kind of church until we were like in our thirties or forties. We were just scared to go anyplace else. Because mm. that's the remnant of being a Jehovah's Witness that everything else is wrong and unnecessary mm. um, and is not godly. And that is, mm. you know, no one else's faith, no one else's ritual um, is as pure and as clearly connected to God as what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that is their rhetoric. That is their rhetoric. Um, and so there is no all paths lead to God. This is the only way to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, we, we suffered under that for a while. Um, and then when I, when I started writing poetry, um, I found a language and a way to open up and to remove those kind of curses, you know, from, from my language and from my body. And mm-hmm. to begin to think metaphorically and begin to tell stories. Um, and because I needed to to free myself to be a black gay man, that meant I had to free myself from God mm. um, of the construction <laughs> that my mom gave it to me. And once I did that work um, and realized that the best things that I could write had to come out of my freedom, um, then I was like, God must want me to be free in this in this sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just on. Um, and it allowed me to to have this 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 diasporic idea about what faith is and and all paths and all spiritualities um, that are good and right and holy um, coming together for me. Um, But right now my my practice is Christianity and because I can't get back to Africa unless I go through Christianity, Mm. you know? Um, And for me, it's always about like trying to get back somewhere trying to return somewhere, trying to gather my people. And what is the language of my people? If it's Christianity, then that's the call that I have to use to get them back together. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't just be like trying to call them using like some language that they're not listening out for. Mm-hmm. If the clues, if it's inscribed in their DNA, then I got to use the language that that will be familiar to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You, you use the word raised. Thank you. And uh, Marvin just raised a glass of Hennessy. Thank you, Hennessy. Uh, we're not, we're not, he just crossed himself with the holy, the holy liquor. 
Um, we, we're not sponsored by Hennessy. <laughs> if you want to change that company, right. please talk to us. <laughs> right, right. Any um, um, black-owned, queer-owned, women-owned yes. uh, liquor companies, yes. right? Holla yes. at your girls. Yes. Um, but you used the word raised. At mm-hmm. one moment, you said raised by your mother Mm -hmm. and then at another moment Mm -hmm. you said your grandmother Mm -hmm. raised rent Mm -hmm. with a deck of cards Mm -hmm. and we were remiss in not starting with our very first question Hmm. which is who Who raised you Mm. (laughs) and i love that question um you know without discrediting my mother i feel like i was raised by my grandmother Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was, I believe that I was groomed by her at an early age to return to take care of her. Um, mm-hmm. I believe amongst all her grandkids, she like kind of went through, tried to spoil a couple of them, you know, but it kept with, it stuck with me. And, you know, every chance that I got, I would go to my grandmother's for my mom to the point where my mom was like, you know, he's yours, you know, (laughs) you know, I can't do nothing, you know, with him. Um, And, you know, so I I really give my grandmother credit um, for raising me. Um, Yeah, yeah, Bessie Lee Blow Ford um, is who raised me. Bessie Lee Mm -hmm. Blow Ford. Yeah, so Blow... um, is her father's name, um, Harry Blow, mm-hmm. um, and Ford was the man she married, um, and neither of my, and was not the parent of my mom or my mom's brother. Okay. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing, because my great-grandmother also had three kids with three different fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother had two kids with two different fathers, and my mom had five kids with one, you know, but there is... You know, I love my grandmother because she always had boyfriends mm-hmm. and, and usually some some woman's husband. So I had an Uncle Gator and an Uncle Sam. Um, I loved her so. Taught you a lot about family. <laughs> you know, you know, and but that's when you say that uh-huh. though, that's what makes my mm-hmm. my leaps of faith mm-hmm. so exciting because I'm like, you know, God. Like getting the Virgin Mary pregnant is a way to talk about like like getting rid of this idea of traditional family. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Like we can make family in all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. My grandmother pointed to that, you know, by the ways that she had boyfriends. Mm-hmm. You know, um and when I was in seminary, I would have to say things like this is how I'm deploying my grandmother epistemologically. <laughs> you know, my grandmother, you know, made family in all these unique and different ways. And mm-hmm. so when I talk about my grandmother and and, and kinship um, with Naomi and Ruth or whoever, mm-hmm. this is why she's able to talk to this, mm-hmm. you know, because she has experienced this life. Um, and so I think her stories allowed me to open up my faith stories as well. Um, and 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 open up you know the ideas about how how the stories of the bible and scripture work mm-hmm. you know. mm-hmm. so thank you so much yeah. for bringing up your grandmother yeah. in this space 
I'm curious because people talk about a lot of names for God. So mm-hmm. I'm really curious for you, what are the different names of God that you most love to think about? And how, if at all, hmm. has your relationship with your grandmother influenced those names? Wow. Um, you know, God who one gets a washing machine out of, God who is... Um, the PG&E bill payer, God who is the, you know, the the watched pot never boiled. I think about, you know, the ways in which we were, you know, the the culture of our family, which was surrounded by, by gathering mm. um, and a lot of food and a lot of kitchen. Um, and a lot of of women talking to each other. So mm-hmm. God is God is woman, you know, to me. Or God is, if God is ma- the part of God that is male, um, knows God's place amongst women. Mm-hmm. Like the women have a space, and if they let you in, God, you should feel lucky. Mm-hmm. But don't think that you have access to to women's interiority. Because you're God, there's still a space outside of God, mm. you know, that women gather. Um, and I was lucky enough to be. My therapist would say I was a spousified child. I was the mm. one that the, that my grandma would say, "Oh, this is mom. This is grandma's little man," you know. So I had the title without all the rights and powers and privileges. So it messes you up a little bit, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it gives you an intimacy with women. And so when it was time for me to take care of her. Like change her wounds, change her diapers, mm-hmm. hand feed her, and make decisions about end of life, mm-hmm. you know stuff. Um, I knew her body. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a couple questions I had. Like I had to call my girl Nancy's. Like, how does that work in there? You, know, um, <laughs> you got really incarnation. You know, <laughs> you, know you know. But I, I, I think about God. You know, I don't know, not as a name, but as a circumstance, as a. As a way, um, when my when we lived in public housing, um, you know the way I think about public housing, it's usually the world thinks about public housing as a place where women are relegated mm. to. I think my mom wanted to raise black children amongst other women and chose public housing because that's the only place where you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, because you couldn't have two incomes, so there could be no men mm-hmm. and no fathers in public housing. So my mom chose to raise her kids amongst other women i think that was a spiritual you know and god visited that Mm -hmm. space you know um and it wasn't godless um and so you know there's the god of public housing and there's the god of women who decide to choose to raise their children among other women and even when i think about like the sex workers in a time where like I don't know if sex work has always been bad, and I need to know this more. But my par- my mom was in relationship with the sex workers, like they were like the front line, and they knew who was coming. And so my mom had to be in relationship mm-hmm. with them, and often folded them in to the village when they were hurt mm-hmm. or needed to hide or in recovery mm-hmm. from something or trying to get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know if that answers like what the name of God it, is. It but, does. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. So you've named a lot of um, circumstances mm-hmm. under which you've seen divinity mm-hmm. and sacredness yes. happen. And at the center of it all is black women. Yes. Um, and that's something that me and Treasure constantly talk about mm-hmm. where 
our guests, we don't prompt them at all. They'll mm -hmm. talk about black women being central mm -hmm. to their raising. Mm -hmm. um, we're mindful that later on this evening, we're going to be meeting with Adrian Walker of Black Women Over Breathing and just really kind of thinking about the importance of black yeah. women in making a lot of amazing things and people that we should yeah. be thankful for. Yeah, yeah. Um, related to that, mm -hmm. um, earlier me and Treasure were talking about a Beyoncean theology <laughs> yes! that you came up with and your, all your brilliance as a Facebook statistician. Yes. We have some ideas. One idea might be for you to read this post out loud. I have it in my hands okay. right here. Um, or for Treasure too. But either way, for us to somehow react mm. to that and for us to hear from you what you were thinking and all yes. no he must I, read it. I would you love to read it let's do a Lectio Divina mm -hmm. yes. so okay. I read it and then Treasure reads it Ooh. and then we talk about it okay mm. so yes. let's do a Lectio a Beyonce and Lectio yes. you know yep because mm -hmm. I slay yes <laughs> maybe this status from Sunday February 12th 2017 will have to do if this sermon We'll have to do if this sermon for Sunday does not come through with a quickness. Somewhere it is happy hour. Let me just go ahead and play fast and loose with a pop theology, a Beyoncean theology, if you will. There is no time for overthinking Beyonce's performance. It happened. She slayed and the power of a pop hermeneutics of suspicion, stay with me, and the whiskey, shows Beyonce offering her body on the last supper table. She took the seat at the head of the table. She made it a birthing chair. She said, do not only remember his dying, but the circumstances of his birth. Remember who he came through. There is no salvation without women. Do you remember being born? Do you remember the last time you were hungry? Do you remember the last time you thought your last supper was your last? Do you remember any, any last thing getting on my last nerves or this? The last time we decide the contributions of and the healing of and the remembering of women's powers happens on that table. She asked, if you want to know where women were in the meal, they probably prepared it. Actually, her performance reimagines the foretelling of Christ's pending death and resurrection, reimagines his impending slaying of life and death. Her performance speaks of the incarnation not as God becoming a man, but as God becoming a uterus, mm. becoming a woman to give birth to the God self. Beyonce puts the story not in the mouths of men gorging themselves off of the fixings of women, hanging on every cross word coming out of Jesus's mouth, and not on the bread and wine, but puts the story, a new account of the Gospels, a new Eucharist in the mouths of women. A Beyoncean institution of the fellowship table makes the claim that Jesus was saying, this is no longer about me. It's about my mama. This is about women knowing that under patriarchy, there is never the last supper. Do this in memory of the mother God, the one who all life comes through beyond bread and wine. Remember the birth and the afterbirth. Hashtag even Adele worships at the Beyonce and temple. <laughs> Hashtag I did a shot every time Adele thanked Beyonce. <laughs> Hashtag and then Beyonce. And, the, and then the Beyoncean miracle, two white women wish that Beyonce was their mother. <laughs> Hashtag theological slay. Mm. That is some small print. <laughs> yes, and I'm going to have to get my uh, let, glasses. Let me, let me zoom it in for y'all. <laughs> thank, you, thank you for making it through. Okay. Oh, it doesn't zoom. Oh, well. 
Um, <laughs> I'm very excited for this Lexio Divina. Uh, maybe you can tell everyone about a little bit what what your workshop services have been like. Yeah. Because um, we're about to do some work, and we're modeling <laughs> yes. for everyone, right? Yes. Um, I'm I'm thinking about a what the new church looks like, and like like Treasure said earlier. Um, our our job is to is to create a, a vessel for the things we love, and I don't think I can gather my people if I'm not doing it in with the with the things that I love to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know if I cooked, people would come. Mm-hmm. Um, and writers, I think, are looking for a space to make their writing sacred. Um, and so I'm thinking about. A sacred space for writing and ritual and how do we make writing a ritual act so writers aren't out there by themselves and giving it over to institutions like academia um, but actually their work being made made sacred and so the worship service is creative writing workshop and and worship service where we would actually write and you know, lately I've been following the lectionary, which is the calendar that um, that orders the Bible by um, through a liturgical um, lens. So there are certain Bibles for Advent, for the birth of Christ, for Easter, mm-hmm. um, and I've been doing the the worship services according to the scriptures in the lectionary. So you know, we would read out, create writing prompts according to the scripture. So we're writing new sacred text in this workshop Mm. service. Um, The stories that come out are in response to the Bible. So the new Bible that I'm going to write, you know, that is being written, will will have blank pages in it. So you can, so you can respond to it right now. There are no blank pages in the Bible, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a, that's a problem because you can't, Mm. you can't respond to it in writing your witness there's no there's no written witness testimony mm. you know and that's what writers in a writer's church is that yeah. was subversive mm. AF. <laughs> the new bible that i'm going to write look right. <laughs> raise a drink yeah. um so do they get the prompts prior no do they write during the service yes and do people get to share yes. what they've written? Yes, that is wow. That is that is so important. Okay. Um, that it is, it is not a passive church experience. Um, mm-hmm. That everyone um, gets a chance to utter, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and gets to be spoken through, and gets to speak into everybody else. Um, I just give the prompts and and open the container, mm. um, and then people, you know, you know, and guide people because I think we're leaders, mm. um, worship leaders, and so our job is to open the container and spill it out and let people do with it what they will. Mm. So it's so freaking powerful. Oh my God. Okay, so. <clears throat> The second reader has come forward. Hey! (laughs) Maybe this status from Sunday, February 12th, 2017 will have to do if this sermon for Sunday does not come through with a quickness. Somewhere it's happy hour. 
let me just go ahead and play fast and loose with a pop theology, a Beyoncean theology, if you will. There is no time for overthinking Beyonce's performance. It happened. She slayed, and the power of a pop hermeneutics of suspicion, stay with me in this whiskey, shows Beyonce offering her body on the last supper table. She took the seat at the head of the table. She made it a birthing chair. She said, do not only remember his dying, but the circumstances of his birth. Mm -hmm. Remember who he came through. There is no salvation without women. Do you remember being born? Do you remember the last time you were hungry? Do you remember the last time you thought your last supper was your last? Do you remember any last thing getting on my last nerve or this, the last time we decide the contributions and the healings of and the rememberings of women's powers happens on that table? She asks, if you want to know where women were in the meal, they probably prepared it. Hmm. Actually, her performance reimagines the foretelling of Christ's pending death and resurrection, reimagines his impending slaying of life and death. Her performance speaks of the incarnation, not as God becoming a man, but as God becoming a uterus, becoming a woman to give birth to the God self. Beyonce puts the story not in the mouths of men gorging themselves off of the fixings of women, hanging on every cross word coming out of Jesus's mouth, and not on bread and wine, but puts the story, a new account of the Gospels, a new Eucharist in the mouths of women. A Beyoncean institution of the fellowship table makes the claim that Jesus was saying, this is no longer about me, it's about my mama. Hmm. This is about women knowing that under patriarchy, there is never the last supper. Do this in memory of the mother God, the one who all life comes through. Beyond breath, bread and wine, remember the birth and the afterbirth. Hashtag, even Adele worships at the Beyonce and Temple. Hashtag, I did a shot every time Adele thanked Beyonce. Hashtag, and then Beyonce Miracle 2, white women wish they that Beyonce was their mother. Be hashtag, theological slay. Whew. Child. <laughs> <laughs> and and I've never heard it read back to me, and that's that's the um, <laughs> I am because I I live in my in my head and mm -hmm. in my creativity, mm -hmm. um, and the natural end of my creativity is to speak it. Um, I've never I rarely get it hear it back, mm. you know. So mm -hmm. I don't hear my words or the words that have come through me given back to me. Mm -hmm. And it's always out, mm -hmm. you know? So to hear it, um, I feel so less crazy, <laughs> you know? I, I feel smarter mm. and, cause I think sometimes, I think people think I'm just silly writing on Facebook when I do stuff like that, mm. you know? Um, and because of the medium, because I'm not saving it for major literary publications or I'm not in major, you know, mm -hmm. um, prophetic and spiritual publications that I choose Facebook that somehow um, it's not rigorous mm. and and it's not important work. Um, mm. But you read it and I felt important, mm. you know. Um, 
and and yeah and smart and and it felt like scripture being mm-hmm. read to me I felt like this was bible study mm-hmm. um yes and I'm grateful mm. yeah. well you know I think it it's because it and god bless Della Reese on her journey yeah <laughs> Sorry, she just she just came to me. Okay. She's like, if you're gonna be touched by okay. angel, <laughs> Della. Yes, angels. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> no, you're totally fine. Um, I'm glad you've been playing with this, but yes. also that um, that you, what we're doing, I think, is flipping what it means. Uh, or of the circumstances under which something is sacred mm-hmm. or something is important. Yes. Because mm-hmm. earlier you were talking about how a lot of Bibles have, or, or treatment of the Bible mm-hmm. has been that, okay, this is the scripture, mm-hmm. this is the sacred text, it's locked in stone. Mm-hmm. But the reality is if we look at the history mm-hmm. of how the canon was created, that's not the fact. Right. And the very fact was that people were playing with what is considered sacred all the time, mm-hmm. except mm-hmm. that it was only specific people who were allowed right. to do that. Right. Specifically, mm-hmm. often white right. people. Mm-hmm. Um, in in churches that were really connected mm-hmm. to empire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then prior to that, there there you had to be a certain class. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now with technology, mm-hmm. what we see mm-hmm. is, um, even though some people might call it silly, mm-hmm. um, instead it's, if there's more community surrounding it, more mm-hmm. voices surrounding mm-hmm. it, then that's what's actually yeah. making it important. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I, I believe that, you know, this technology that we showed up as poets at the same time that this technology is here mm. um, is a huge cosmic like happening mm. um, that we showed up as poets and writers and lovers and thinkers with open hearts still at the end of the world mm-hmm. um, to usher in a new world. You know, we're not recording this for you know for aliens to discover it we're trying to broadcast this out now because there's a word we're trying to get out Mm -hmm. um and something that is sacred and that will touch people and ignite them and turn something on you know in them and connect us and we're we're sending out a signal to our people you Mm -hmm. know um and that is that is sacred work to me i said in the sermon yesterday um in a lot of belief systems and a lot of cosmologies we believe that we chose to come to earth mm-hmm. you know from wherever we were mm-hmm. you know but i believe that earth and humanity sent out an invitation um and said we think treasure you know is interesting mm-hmm. you know we want her here on earth and you're gonna have to live and die but that's don't worry <laughs> don't worry about that there's Hennessy to help you you know Karen, you know we think Karen would be so cool here you know let's send out and we responded you know mm. and so to think about like being here as an invitation as opposed to a sentence you know I think is a good you know flip and you know I never mm. you know I think when we and again when we think about sacred text um I'm not a Bible scholar. Don't ask me about the Nicene Creed, um, <laughs> Alexander, um, the early church. Um, I operate out of a, a prophetics that says, if all I have on me is what the new church and the new 
Holy Writ will be written from, mm -hmm. then I got to trust that I don't get any more books, any more lessons, any more anything. And so I have to speak it from what I have. And it could be, I could add it up all wrong, um, but I'm going to speak into this moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I can only use what I have. And so... And you see what it is. It's mm -hmm. like pieces of fabric and disco balls and, <laughs> you know, and ironing boards made into saints. Right. And, you know, um, I have a 3D printer machine that I got to learn how to use. Okay. Um, I love it. We're looking you know, at everything around Marvin's house and we're going to record a short episode you know, of Cribs for you. Yeah. Right. Marvin's Cribs. Right. Um, but going back to the Lexio Divina, mm -hmm. I want to know, Treasure, mm -hmm. from this reading and from mm -hmm. this morning, what mm -hmm. were the things that stood out to you? Yes. And then... From you, Marvin, when Treasure was mm -hmm. reading, what was ringing new to you yes. as someone who authored this text? Yes, yes. Well, I'm going to have to tell you, I am going to have to put something mm -hmm. under a little bit of pressure. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. this is, for me, obviously, black feminist mm -hmm. theology. Mm -hmm. And and black feminism says... Um, not just having choice mm -hmm. is feminism. Mm -hmm. There's often an argument between younger uh, women who call themselves feminists or mm -hmm. who are interested in feminism mm -hmm. and older women like myself mm -hmm. uh, in that younger women often believe that choice is feminism. Mm -hmm. So if I sleep with who I want to sleep with, that's feminism. Right. If right. I dress the way I want to dress, that's right. feminism. Right. And they leave out a critique of markets Got and it. systems. Got it. So Got they it. leave out the fact that um, you know, Caribbean and Latin mm -hmm. and Asian women who are mm -hmm. now our new domestic force mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. don't get mm -hmm. to choose who they sleep with. Sometimes right. they have to do right. survival sex. Right. 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 And where can we where can they fit into feminism? Mm -hmm, How mm -hmm. can feminism serve them? Mm -hmm. Their material needs. Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. coming back to a Beyonce in theology, yes. yes, she's often pulled in by young women mm -hmm. as that's feminism. Mm -hmm. Because see, I do what I want, I'm mm -hmm. sexy, mm -hmm. I deploy my sexuality mm -hmm. the way I want mm -hmm. to. So how mm -hmm. do you reconcile mm -hmm what can be called Beyonce's blindness to critique mm -hmm. of the market mm -hmm. with her holiness. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, because I know the market, um, capitalism, the industry um, was only created to make money off of us mm. and not for us to make money within it um you know i i feel like her her moves mm -hmm. um you know um says that i am both in the system and created by the system and exploiting the system um i believe in the crafting of image and um and and a popular exterior that can be commodified. Um, I don't think there is without, you know, from her from her fingernails to her headdress, <laughs> a, a, a move that is not curated mm. to to make money, mm. you know, um, mm. and but also to be creative. Um, I think that black women participating in in public art and and commercial art 
doesn't mean that there is not a subverse a subverting of mm. of black cultural production within it. Um, and so I think you know when I think about Beyonce participating, you know, in this cultural production and in, in capitalism, like I'm like, and white folks still don't get it. They can <laughs> they can see it, but my friends who are on the boards talking about Beyonce in in African diasporic traditions, like her her gold dress meant something to my friends who are Yoruba. Mm. They saw something completely different. My friends who practice Santeria saw something completely different. When mm. when her chair tilted back and her legs were open to the table, you know, people saw things, mm. you know. And then there are like the conspiracy theorists on the boards who are like, um, what do you what do they say the that Jay Z and Beyonce are the um, the Illuminati. <laughs> I right? love them, um, but I think there's a way in which, you know, like she's also saying, like I'm I'm gonna be I'm gonna participate in spectacle, mm. you know, um, mm-hmm. like blackness is spectacle. It's, it's spectacular, but spectacle is the is the commodification and the capitalizing. Mm. Is participating in capitalism when it the spectacle becomes, you know, when you can buy it. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I'm, I'm black, you know, I'm from Houston. Mm-hmm. I got a draw, mm-hmm. and, you know, I am now creating, like, from this this image that you will buy. It's not even, like the, the chattel slavery auction block, you know. I'm putting myself. And I don't, it's probably, I don't know. I have not thought about it fully because the words came to me before the theory came to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, I don't know who, who else gets to hold her up, but I hold her up as, as a theology, um, you know, that speaks against capitalism, that speaks to black cultural production. um, And flaunting it in such a way to say and you still don't it's like my friend Nalo what's her I met her once so she's not a friend Nalo Nalo Hopkins Mm -hmm. said um, I put and you might have to blank out her name (laughs) um, she said I put lesbian on my mailbox so people can find me Mm. but it will never tell you who lives here Mm. You know, I want my community to be able to find me. And I want to, I want folks to know that I'm a part of this tribe. Mm-hmm. And so I make visible signs that you can find me. Mm. You know, I make myself a target. And I make myself available to this cultural production called lesbian, black lesbian. Mm. So you can find me. But she's like very clear. You don't, that don't tell you who live here because it's on my mailbox. Mm. That just makes me able to be found. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think about it like that you know um and yes Mm. um like even like we're all a part of the system you know if you have a social security number a driver's license (laughs) applied for a grant or a job had a background check had a loan you know got a ticket um we're all working within the system you know um and whether that system is the academy or the inter- entertainment industry as a system, like we're all in it, you know. Um, and is, are we holding up the system? Are we dismantling the system? Are we learning how the system works and, and, 
and transforming it or at least extracting from it as much as it is is it's is extracting from us mm -hmm. um but all that to say i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I think what you were touching on is that um, really it's it's tricky because yeah. there is one one kind of way of thinking that says you know if you're talking about something mm. and you see something good in it, then everything about it you mm. said is good. And mm -hmm. I think even theologians mm. think that way, or people of faith. You know, there's very binary thinking mm -hmm. of like, okay, I subscribe to this sacred mm. text, or I believe some mm -hmm. things in it, and therefore everything right. must go. Right. Um, or or even the reverse, everything must be thrown away. Mm -hmm. um, but part of what I was thinking is that in writing the Sazet is status itself you were giving meaning mm -hmm. <laughs> to what you saw yeah. mm -hmm. and that in itself is like okay marvin yeah. put his marvin stamp on it yeah. mm -hmm. um that 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 was transforming yeah. the original art that was yeah. there mm -hmm. and yeah. you know people debate all day about yeah. what what authors intend and yeah. all of that mm -hmm. and i think being in the postmodern era we get to say mm -hmm. we make meaning mm -hmm. of not only the things that we're consuming and the things that we're reading, mm -hmm. but even each other. Right. Mm -hmm. This conversation right. in itself, whenever I speak into right. it, I'm adding something from it, um, into it, and same with Treasure yeah. and you yeah. as well. Yeah, and mm -hmm. I know I have to be, and I am, I am conscious and careful that I am not exacting what patriarchy has always done to women was try to tell their stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I looked at that and I'm like, there is something else happening on these Grammy Awards mm -hmm. um, and you know let me try to put you know you know both take the wind out of the Bible and Christianity um, and also mm -hmm. like add a sacredness to this pop expression um, and the best way for me to do that is to is to blow it all the way up you know and make it sacred text mm -hmm. um, and you know, to think of pop as as ritual and as sacred um, goes against, you know, I mean, there are faith traditions that are like, we don't watch TV, we mm -hmm. don't wear skirts, we don't mm -hmm. wear makeup, mm -hmm. you know, we don't we play. We don't even play instruments right. in we, our worship right, service. Right, we don't play other, we don't play with gods, you know, we don't, you know, we don't put crowns on our heads, you know, <laughs> um, you know or wear all this ornamentation mm -hmm. or, or move in certain ways. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I just wanted that to be a divine moment. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I love that that same night. You know, I think Adele won some award that everyone thought Beyonce was going to win, mm -hmm. and she was like, "That Beyonce, she should have won." Yes, mm -hmm. and Adele was like, "Beyonce should have won this." Mm -hmm. And then the two hosts, like Tina Fey and the woman Tina Fey, always like hosts with were like I wish Beyonce was my mother so I love to hear two white women saying that and then I think because I was yeah. thinking about the ways in which well, well black women have too. been right like here's a um I'll show you a picture um he's getting up he is getting a picture for us to that see. That was really metallic. There. I know. What? Oh, so, this is a scale. Oh, this is not a picture. <laughs> and it's this a it's artifact. a photo of my great grandmother oh. holding white children that she raised. Oh. And so this is about the weight of that. Dang. You know. Oh wow. And then yeah. photo. So yeah. yeah, we're gonna take a picture for you all. But um, wow. on the scale, you know, there's usually all these lines outward. It almost looks halo-like, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you did that on purpose because you do so many things mm -hmm. with intentionality. 
Mm. Yeah, my grandmother, there's a picture in our uh, one of our photo albums, too, of her holding a very fat yeah. and satisfied-looking yeah. yes. baby. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, and I thought about that when they said, I wish Beyonce mm-hmm. was our mother. And, and you like, thought she was. She, she was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was. Yeah. If Beyonce wasn't doing that performance, she would not have a job. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. <laughs> So, Treasure, do you have anything to speak about, or have we really exegeted this text to how, however much we're going to do today? You know what? This text is unexegetable. Okay. Uh, it is so rich yeah. and layered mm. that um, it would take many more yeah. bottles of Hennessy hey. for, <laughs> for us to get to yeah. uh, the kernels. Yeah. The, the final the, the break it down to its yeah. to its base components yes, yes. Um, so what we're gonna do is we're going to um, let it live out yeah. there yeah. Uh, in the virtual world yeah. the way it does um, I think that what we're doing is coming to the end of the recorded conversation right. even though I can't we're gonna keep yeah. talking yeah. afterwards right Treasure has so many <laughs> other questions lingering in her mind we yes. talked about it and we were we were so excited yeah. to come here but yes. can I can I stay there for one second because Please again do. I just Please do. You, to hear it back and to even have the pressure applied to it mm. um it's just huge to me you know um because people don't critique the work on Facebook because it's it's like those professors in seminary who said, you know, a done paper, a good paper is a done paper, mm. you know. And I think people don't know that there's a rigor that I actually construct and write and pain over some of the statuses mm-hmm. to get to this place. So to hear it um, in this setting, to hear it read back, to hear it critiqued, to hear it, you know, to hear it questioned you know, means that there is something in it, you know? Oh, yes. And and so a like, and I know like the system of Facebook, a like, I have to figure out what a like and a love and a, a frown or a tear, <laughs> you know, those mean, right. you know, because um, people don't usually, and I get a lot of, yeah, that's good, that's right, yeah, go girl, you know, <laughs> um, but this, you know, um, like I think has made the text richer and has, Given me an opportunity to go back into it. So I appreciate that. Thank mm. you. Thank you. So mm-hmm. with that gratitude, yeah. I did want to say the mm. first time that you were talking about our reactions to it and how that made you feel, mm. immediately what popped into my head is like, is that how the creator feels? Mm. Because you are mm. in, in writing this and mm. also having mm. us repeat this back to you, mm. you are in a position of creating, mm. right? And, mm. and there is a saying, you know, we are made in the image yes. of God. And yes. so for us to speak it back to you yeah. in a way is yeah. to bring meaning back yeah. into that and yeah. bring it to life. Yeah, I love that. Um, you know, I love the process, the God in process, the process theology God mm-hmm. that cannot even become God until we call God's name. God is not sitting around being God. Mm-hmm. God only becomes God when we call God. Mm. Um, God is not sitting around rehearsing, you know, with these rehearsed tears, God responds for the first time when we cry out to God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we read and respond to what is supposedly God's word, God is like, I wrote that? I said that? <laughs> and that's, what do your tears mean? And the, the little dope. hearts? And... Like, I got to rise up to that occasion? <laughs> you know, I'm that God? Mm-hmm. Damn. <laughs> I think a lot of me, after all that shit I've done, 
floods, pettiness, locusts, <laughs> kill people. They think of me like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> God rubs God's goatee. Right. <laughs> As Marvin rubs his. God takes a shot of Henny. Right. <laughs> yes. So we conclude with questions for listeners. Mm. Do we? What are what are the questions in our minds? I mm. think one of the questions in my mind is, in what ways are you creating? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in conversation mm-hmm. with others mm-hmm. who bring that creation alive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think another question I would ask would, how do you bring out the theology mm-hmm. in the ordinary? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it mm-hmm. in your everyday mm-hmm. material lived existence mm-hmm. that you're finding holiness mm-hmm. in? Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. And if you are as far as your people's story has ever gotten, how are you responsible for telling that story? Mm. This, this, the three of us, is as far as our stories have gotten in our family's history. Mm-hmm. You know, so what are we required to do um, knowing that we hold that? Um, and what does that yeah how does that propel us to to do something different and how can our listeners support you that's something that we um my Venmo no you're you're, you're, well no hold on go Go there Reparations. <laughs> B, on your Facebook statuses yes. Yes. as a professional Facebook statistician, yes. you put your PayPal Venmo and Cash App yes. ties in offerings. Yes. So explain that a little bit and then say your you know, I want to give people the opportunity to sow into this ministry. Yeah, um, sow a if, seed. If they have been moved, um, have been inspired, something has been sparked in them, in them, even if they say, hell, I could have wrote that. <laughs> um, my work is done, mm-hmm. you know, um, for you to see the divine in your ordinary. Because this is just, I'm writing from what I have laying around and what I saw on TV. Mm-hmm. And you should be doing the same. Um, and if it brings you to that, um, or brings you into, into creation just by participating in my madness that I'm putting out, um, and you appreciate that, um, you know, show it, um, and rarely, you know, um, you know, do people give, but sometimes they do, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I was at a fundraising conference once and like, people got to be asked. People got to know mm-hmm. that you that you're willing to accept, mm-hmm. you know, what's the word, remunerations, um, support, payment, love, support. help, yeah, mm-hmm. you appreciation, know. And, high fives, and, and, fist and, and, mm-hmm. and yeah, and when you're us um, and people don't think that you need help because you're so creative and so mm-hmm. um, generative and so you know, now we're doing this thing and this thing, um, you know, people don't know that, you know, like we need help. Like I've never even, 
I've always felt like I've, in, like even at Cave Canem, I've always felt like I came in through the side door, mm. you know, and not through the front door. Okay. That I felt like I've not had mentors. My mentors died, you know, who should have been my mentors, like, you know, during the AIDS pandemic. Mm. And the ways that, um, you know, that a fuller-bellied Marvin would mean more, you know, you know, more posts and more things. So, mm-hmm. um, but because of the way I show up in the world, I don't think people think, I wonder if Marvin needs anything, mm-hmm. you know. So this is like me, like beginning to make that available if folks want to, because you're supposed to. People don't know unless you, like, know what to give unless you ask them, yes. or give them an opportunity to. So. so we're giving them an opportunity to now. Yes. And so what is that Venmo? Um, <laughs> he said he got to look it yeah. up. I was scrolling through all my Facebook. If you don't find it right yes. now, Marvin, we promise yeah. you we'll put it on our website. Yes, and so, it's on my website, MarvinKWhite.com. That's the best. That's it, MarvinKWhite.com. Go to MarvinKWhite.com. Read more brilliance. Yes. There's some photography on there. Have, is that correct? I have everything. Everything. I have everything Speaking on there. Is on I have, there I have as sermons well. on there. I have artwork on there. Um, I have the calendar on there. Um, and it's it's growing. I have recordings, you know, um, of like house music theologies that I've participated in, and, mm-hmm. and house music rituals that I love to create are on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just yeah, it's it's just church. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to the Who Raised You podcast a storytelling project brought to you by the Who Raised You Listening Collective, featuring media by artists of color in the St. Louis region. To support us, rate and review Who Raised You podcast on every platform. Visit whoraisedyoupodcast.com to book us for speaking and consulting on arts and storytelling projects. While you're on whoraisedyoupodcast.com, donate to support the Who Raised You Listening Collective. Put groceries on our table. We are the 2018 to 2019 startup competition winners brought to you by your friends at the PNC Foundation and Arts and Education Council of St. Louis. They gave us an office for this year, podcasting from the Centene Center for the Arts. If you'd like to sponsor us and have us share your products and services with our audience, let's talk about it. Email us at whoraisedyoupodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to partner with you and share your story. Connect with us on social media. Like Who Raised You Podcast on Facebook. Tweet us at Who Raised You Pod on Twitter. Slide into our DMs at Who Raised You on the Gram. On the Gram. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Say hi. <laughs>